For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. From Meat Eaters World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. Did you know that there have been 11 human children born in Antarctica? At McMurdo Station, Antarctica, temperatures are rarely above 38 degrees in the summer and rarely go below negative 33 in the winter. However, the coldest recorded temperature was July 21, 1983 at Vostok Station, where temps plunged to 128.6 degrees below zero. Although there are year-round residents here that include people, penguins, and seals, the largest native terrestrial animal is only about a quarter inch long. It's called Belgica antarctica, and it's a wingless midge. Don't just call this thing a bug, as Belgica antarctica is an extremophile. That means something that lives in extreme environments. If it were to live in conditions a bit more hospitable, a place that doesn't get too hot or too cold, say, you could call it a mesophile, which is a critter that lives in environments 68 to uh, 115 degrees. Or, let's say a critter likes an environment with a pH level that is neutral. That'd be a neutrophile. Now, if you're a fly fisherman, you might know Belgica Antarctica as a chronomid, as in, hey, we've been catching a lot of rainbows on chronomid patterns. The iciness and snowiness of this particular chronomid's chosen locale brings to mind one of the more popular chronomid fly tying patterns, the snow cone. This week, we've got what it takes to graduate in the Philippines, toilet weasels, poachers, woolly mammoths, wilderness, and more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. I took the weekend to dial in my hovel. I got a place here in Bozeman, Montana a few months back, and I felt like a squatter in it for a while. Got a few European mounts up on the wall. A European mount, or Euro mount, if you aren't hip to that one, 
is a skull that has had the flesh either eaten off by domestic beetles or the flesh is boiled off by spending several hours in a pot. Either way, all that is left is a clean skull. You can then set the clean skull on a shelf or bookcase or a wall or something. I'm not a huge hang stuff up guy, even when it comes to, quote, trophies, but I'll admit the place looks classier and there are some strong memories attached to them. One of these skull-induced memories comes from a British Columbia moose. I got stuck waist deep in the glacial silt of a river with uh, 100 plus pounds of moose meat on my back. I had made a poor choice of choosing to shoot the moose on an island in a river, which as it turned out was very deep and unweightable. That story goes on for a while. Also put up a couple of mule deer that honestly mean a whole lot more for reasons I may go into later or not. Uh, the most important thing I got done at the new place is I got some earth boxes planted, which are neat little Tupperware type setups full of soil that make growing food possible for a bachelor guy on the move like myself. The other highlight is I got to take my three-year-old nephew fishing along with a small herd of other children. Quite proud to report that as the kids slowly started to lose interest in fishing and gain more interest in less important forms of play, my three-year-old nephew stayed focused and fished longer than three-fifths of his peers. The three-year-old made it as long as the nine-year-old, and the nine-year-old is, as I would say, a real fishy dude. Moving on. The Philippines, an island country consisting of 7,100 islands and islets, that make up more than uh, 22,550 miles of coastline, was once heavily forested. However, the total forest cover has dropped from 70% to 20% in the 20th century. Logging, mining, illegal logging, climate change, general habitat destruction are the culprits here. However, a new Filipino law aims to make a change. The new law requires all graduating high school and college students to plant at least 10 trees each before they can graduate. If adhered to, over the course of one generation, 525 billion trees would be planted. Wow. Even if 10% survive, that will be an additional 525 million trees. I think I built a four-weight fly rod for my senior project, which... Uh, I had no cause to second guess or rethink until now. Moving on to our most recent Lazarus species discovery. For those of you slow to the game, Lazarus is an old boy from the Bible who was raised from the dead. So a Lazarus species is a species thought to be extinct that returns from the dead by being discovered to have not actually gone extinct. Think black-footed ferrets, the Lord Howe walking stick, and the coelacanth. I'd be negligent here not to plug Nick Cave's album, Dig Lazarus Dig. So keep that in mind once you've listened to every last single episode of this show and there's nothing more for you to do. Anyways, a self-described amateur naturalist in Colombia has managed to capture the first ever picture of a living Colombian weasel. Looks not dissimilar to our short-tailed weasel here in the U.S., except this weasel has shaggier hair and a bit of a sole patch of brown fur on its tan chest. It's about eight and a half inches long and can weigh as much as five ounces from nose to tail. This species was thought by some to be extinct due to the fact that there hasn't been a sighting for at least a century. The species is only known from four total specimens, 
And these new pictures from our amateur naturalist are the only photographic evidence in existence. The Columbian weasel was known to inhabit dense jungle riparian zones, but this weasel managed to get his picture taken on, of all places, a toilet seat. When our amateur naturalist, or citizen scientist, began to identify the weasel in his pictures, he stumbled upon a picture of the Columbian weasel and thought, quote, could this be my toilet weasel? Something to keep in mind next time you walk in on or squat on an uh, interesting critter in their natural setting or your natural setting. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And, as often is the case, those guys were on to something. Because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. You've heard that name before because I've talked about them here on this podcast. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. Now, it's wild axis deer, which is an invasive species, but this operation is monitored and observed by the USDA, and they can commercially sell axis deer. Last time I went out to uh, Maui to hunt axis, I did not kill one, which is where Maui Nui Venison would come in very handy for folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful and still want to have something in the freezer or uh, handy in the form of a snack stick that is as close to getting your own as you can get, which is what Maui Nui Venison is. You can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. Jumping over to our law enforcement desk, a Montana man was recently sentenced to 500 hours of community service for a wildlife conservation organization, which I like, 10 years of probation, 33050 bucks in restitution, as well as forfeiture of hunting, fishing, and trapping rights for life. What did he do to get all that? 
In 2017, the poacher killed, and for the most part wasted, a 6x4 mule deer buck, a 5x6 bull elk, a 6x6 bull elk with a broken seventh tine, a 6x6 bull elk with a drop brow tine, two antelope, and two turkeys. When investigators showed up to the poacher's home after receiving an anonymous tip, they witnessed the man running out the back door with an armload of animal skulls. The poacher pled guilty. I have to say I like the fine. I love the community service, but the first law he broke was not having a license or tags to begin with, all the while enjoying the practices. I think that a good deal for him now is that he should buy the necessary licenses while not enjoying the activities. In other law enforcement news, a guy known as Booster Gary walks into a BLM museum in Anchorage and walks out with a 10,000-year-old five-foot-long mammoth tusk. After arrest and conviction, he was sentenced to 33 months in federal prison. After serving that sentence in full, he will be on supervised release for three years and will not be permitted to visit national parks, national forests, or BLM land without the permission of his probation officer. Apparently, Booster Gary, an accomplice, walked in the day before committing the crime and asked BLM museum staff specific questions about the weight and authenticity of the mammoth tusk. Then they came back after hours, broke a window, and slowly made off with what I assume was a heavy haul. They then proceeded to cut the tusk up, presumably to sell the folks that made jewelry or art of some sort and sold it off. BLM officials called it an irreplaceable paleontological resource. Mammoth are fairly rare, obviously, as the animals have been absent from most everywhere since they went extinct over 10,000 years ago. But there was one population of mammoths located on Wrangell Island, an island off the coast of far eastern Siberia, that lived an additional 6,000 years longer than mainland specimens. The Wrangell Island mammoth population didn't go extinct until 1650 B.C. That means the woolly mammoth, a critter that would resemble a shaggy African elephant with much smaller ears, you know, because big ears on elephants help dissipate heat, heat being a commodity a mammoth wanted to keep. So now you know that. Anyway, the woolly mammoth was still walking when humans were constructing a half-mile-long wooden bridge over Lake Zurich in Switzerland, and the Greek letter pi had started showing up on mathematicians' papyrus scrolls. To milk this mammoth story a bit more, a booster, as in Booster Gary in this case, could be a person who is a promoter of a show or a concert or a boxing match, or a booster could be a person who specializes in selling stolen goods and likely does a bit of stealing themselves. Booster Gary is from Wasilla, you know, that uh, town where Sarah Palin was a mayor. Wasilla has a population of about 11,000 people. Coming from a relatively small community myself and spending lots of time in small communities since then, there likely wasn't much debate on what type of Booster Gary was, nor would there have been much speculation as to what Booster Gary had in mind for that mammoth tusk, especially when you take into consideration that Booster Gary had been offering his boosting services through social media. So, if you happen to have a job at a museum that happens to have large fossils laying about, and you just happen to have some folks that look a bit questionable inquiring about the general packability of those fossils, you may want to remember this story and over-exaggerate the weight and under-exaggerate the value of said fossils. Now we're going to stick with paleontology for another quick one, then we're going to head over to the politics desk where I may uh, rant for a bit. A 50-million-year-old slab of rock from part of the Green River Formation in Wyoming somehow made it to a museum in Katsuyama, Japan. 
where it was recently rediscovered by a biologist on vacation from Arizona State University. The 22-inch wide rock features a fossilized school, or shoal, of 259 fish who appear to have been swimming together in tight formation at the instant of death. Appear being the important word here, since one has to work pretty hard to think of how a school of fish swimming together happen to be fossilized mid-swim. It's a bit puzzling, as critters don't typically just stop what they're doing long enough to be preserved in limestone. So, is this a case of seeing what happened, or seeing what we want to have happen? Researchers are puzzling over explanations. They've not come up with one that satisfies them all. In fact, most theories sound a bit, you're going to love it, fishy. Brings to mind all that recent hubbub over the paleontologist Robert De Palma, a sort of swashbuckling adventure type who claims to have found paleontological evidence of animals and a, and a whole lot of fish who were actually killed by the meteor crash near the Yucatan Peninsula, which is widely considered to have ended the era of the dinosaurs and ushered in the era of the mammals about 65 million years ago. His interpretation of his findings is deeply controversial, and discussion of this controversy has brought up discussions of older controversies that De Palma was involved in prior to his latest shocker. One of these controversies involved Montana's own Jack Horner, easily the most famous dinosaur researcher and an inspiration for one of the characters of Jurassic Park, a film for which Horner provided technical expertise. Horner really liked to push this idea of his that Tyrannosaurus rex, rather than being some fearsome predator, was a strict scavenger who just ate dead stuff he found laying around. His thinking was based largely around physiological characteristics, including exceptionally large nasal passages, which might have been necessary for the T-Rex to smell rotten, dead critters off in the distance. What burst Horner's bubble on this is the anthropologist De Palma, the meteor strike evidence guy, found a vertebra from a hadrosaur that had actually healed around a busted T-Rex tooth, meaning... The T-Rex was out hunting live dinosaurs, not carrion, and snapped off his tooth in a hadrosaur tail, and then the hadrosaur got away. Confronted with this evidence and trying desperately to hang on to a now questionable opinion or theory, Horner retorted that maybe the hadrosaur was sleeping and the T-Rex just thought it was dead. Yeah, uh, maybe. Now I'm going to ease us into politics in the best possible way. By talking about wilderness, we have 2.3 billion acres of land in the United States. 640 million of those acres are public. 111 million of those public acres are managed under a wilderness designation. Wilderness meaning, typically, that the area has been primarily affected by the forces of nature. Man's work is largely unnoticeable and has outstanding opportunities for solitude or a primitive and unconfined type of recreation. I am paraphrasing here, but a good piece of shorthand would be that wilderness with a capital W, as in designated wilderness, is a place where motors and wheels are not allowed. For some perspective on my personal biases here, I'll mention that I grew up on the border of the Rattlesnake Wilderness Area, located about four miles from Missoula, Montana. The Rattlesnake Wilderness is roughly 34,304 acres and was designated as a wilderness area by Congress in 1980. I had no means of transportation other than foot or bicycle at the time, 
but I fished, hunted, built forts, threw rocks, swam, and hiked all over that wilderness. I would often bike up to the wilderness boundary sign, cross Rattlesnake Creek, and pester trout and uh, backwater there. I went on to expand my wilderness travels. Once I got a vehicle, I would load up my 1983 Chevy Celebrity and head for the Bob Marshall Anaconda Pintler or Lee Metcalf wilderness areas to do basically the exact same activities with more overnight camping involved that took place during my you know, backyard wilderness adventures in the Rattlesnake. The Chevy Celeb was a two-wheel drive, zero-clearance sedan, by the way. I bring all this up because I think it's important to highlight the fact that wilderness areas are there for me to access, and they're there for you to access, and there are a lot of ways to get in there, and a lot of things to do once you do. You can float, hike, hunt, fish, ride horses, sit in the damn parking lot, do nothing, or just lay around reading a book. The wilderness is what you yourself make it, you know, due to the unrefined nature of wilderness. It's a sort of beautiful blank slate for us to imagine and define ourselves on without allowing ourselves to defile the land and define it permanently in a way that would hinder the imagining and defining of future generations. But right now, Senator Mike Lee of Utah has a bill that would go against the letter and intent of the Wilderness Act, which was passed in 1964 by a bipartisan coalition of politicians who voted 99 to 1 in favor of passage in the Senate. The one dissenting voice feeling that the protections didn't go far enough. But Lee's bill would begin to unravel those protections by allowing human-powered mechanized travel in wilderness areas. Or, in the words of the proposed legislation, quote, This bill would enrich Americans' enjoyment of the outdoors by expanding recreational opportunities in wilderness areas. Guess what, America? If you can't see how rich the outdoors are as is, or how expansive our recreational opportunities are as is, I don't think that pedaling a bike is really going to do it for you either. And by the way, it's important to keep in mind that you can have your cake and eat it too. If pedal power is your preferred method of outdoor rec, you already have a potential 529 million acres of public land to ride on plus well over a million miles of publicly open dirt roads to enjoy, and well over four million miles of paved roads, if that's more your style. Point being, we aren't going to run out of surfaces where bicycle traffic is allowed, but we're really pretty damn light on surfaces where it isn't. Less than 2% of the lower 48 is federally designated wilderness. Let's ease up on it, folks. It's doing good as is. So this is your call to action. Email, write a letter, call your duly elected officials, and let them know that you value wild places. It doesn't matter if it's just the idea of wilderness that you value or actual time in the wilderness that you value. Speak up. Tell them to look out for the Human Powered Travel and Wilderness Areas Act and give it the boot. The no-go. Do it for those within the womb of time. As Teddy Roosevelt so beautifully described the future generations of Americans who are set to enjoy and hopefully love our wildlife and wild places. If you don't, they could melt away like a snowbank on a hot summer day. That phrase is from Bob Marshall himself. Thanks for listening to Cal's Week in Review. Remember to subscribe and leave me a review if you want more. In addition, if you are looking for way more fun facts and interesting tidbits, check out TheMeatEater.com. 
If you have any comments or questions, be sure to give them to me by email at askcal at themeateater.com. That's A-S-K-C-A-L at themeateater.com. You can check out more of the day-to-day by following along on the Instagram feed as well at olcal406, O-L-C-A-L 406 on the gram. Talk to you next week and thanks again. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order i'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet you can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.